0: All right, everybody, welcome back in. It's the Lonely Town Podcast. I'm uh, Derek Everett. With me is Jimmy McKnight. How's it going? And we got a, a guest this week, and it's a, it's a little different guest. This might be a controversial show because we, we bring in the big guns. But we're going to talk killers, Brandon and Bruce Springsteen. So I got my uh, I got my buddy that, uh, what do you call yourself, a Bruce Springsteen expert? What, what are the fans called over there? We got victims. Is there an Bruce fans? Well, the true Bruce fans don't
1: give themselves a name, you know, because that's kind of corny. But I think uh, I think the term is Bruce nuts. I, I often don't <laughs> call myself that.
0: We got Bruce's nuts here. Ben no, no, Bruce from nuts from Seattle. Uh, I have to say, you're not from Utah. Well, you're originally from. Oh, no, it's Spring nuts. It's Spring nuts. What was spring nuts. that? Yeah. Spring it's nuts. Spring nuts.
1: Yeah, but I, I, you know, just the cool ones just say we like Bruce, and they don't call him the
0: boss too. Anyone who's oh, listening. Let's, let's get controversial already to start off. I heard an interview with Brandon. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, they're talking about friendship and all that kind of stuff that he's got with Bruce going on. And they said, well, what do you have him saved in on your phone? And I think he said, I just have him to save as the boss.
1: That's kind of cool. Uh, uh, that's pretty <laughs> cool. If I had Bruce in my phone, uh, that's one thing. But
0: he didn't call him the boss. And, and uh, okay. the credit the credibility is you've actually met Springsteen. We might get into that a little later. I have. So you're coming from a place of knowledge.
1: Yeah, I, I will say this. Uh, it's a little, I'm a little insecure about this because there are in any sports team or in and, and fandom in general, there are really intense fans. Uh, and um, there's always going to be one that's bigger than you, you know? I mean, there's people that have seen Bruce 300 times You know, that's not, I'm not able to do that. Uh, But I'll say I've seen him as many times as I could, which is eight. I've seen him eight times. I've seen him in three different states. Um, I've been front row right in front of him, just where I've had sweat dripping on me. (laughs) I've uh, saw him on Broadway in New York, um, in Portland and in Seattle. I've done everything that I could to see him. But there's always going to be someone who, like, sometimes... Bruce fans will be like oh how many times have you seen him and there's just all these huge double digit numbers um unfortunately I was born in the wrong decade to to really (laughs) uh, have a lot of those numbers in fact all growing up uh, there's just I've never even had a friend who was interested in Bruce you know it was always my friend's dads I could talk to them about
2: (laughs) (laughs) so when how did you get into Bruce how did you were you introduced to his music how did you become a fan yeah, I
1: was uh 16, 17 years old in uh Salt Lake City, Utah and uh I heard a commercial come over the radio for Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band reunion that they were going to get back together and they were coming to Salt Lake. And uh they were playing snippets of Bruce Springsteen songs during this commercial. And um I know it sounds cheesy, but I heard um I heard a, a snippet from Born to Run and it just stuck in my head and I got home and uh, found out what the song was and I went out and I bought uh, As You Do, the Greatest Hits album and just kind of familiarize myself with that. And then every time I got paid, I would go buy a new album, uh, You know, an old album. I would go buy a new one to me and just familiarize myself with it. And I just got completely immersed. And the thing is, is like, I still listen to it every day you know I I listen to it all the time and it's going on close to 20 years of of listening to Bruce and I still find things that really resonate with me and things that I am finding new for the first time and it's the only subject that I feel confident talking about you know it's the longest most successful relationship of my life (laughs) he's never done you wrong no Oh, but, you know, I've got blind spots. I've got major blind spots. Maybe some, maybe offline we can talk about the the song he wrote for Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit so, of a, a bless his heart situation.
0: So were you a big music fan before that? Or is this oh, yeah. into music?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I'm about as old as Brandon. I mean, same with you guys. And um, a lot of the influences that he talks about were ones that were, I was really into The Cure and really into, uh, you know, I, It's kind of funny to find out that Oingo Boingo was really not big all over the world because in Utah, in the mid 90s, you would have thought it was the biggest band in the world, you know, (laughs) but uh, just, you know, X96, just listening to that, all that I'm a product of the 90s, you know, a lot of that stuff that was really popular has kind of stayed with me. Um, So yeah, uh, the getting into Bruce was kind of my first really foray other than the Beatles of kind of going backwards in listening to music as opposed to just going forward.
0: And so what are your friends thinking? So you're up to date, you're listening to all the cool kids stuff, you're doing all that, that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're into Springsteen. You're like, I mean, binging through all of his old stuff Were were your buddies, were your friends like giving you any crap about that? Yeah.
1: No one, like no one, no one, uh, was interested in hearing any of the stuff I was discovering, uh, you know, I think maybe some, sometimes they humored me uh, anytime you would say anything about Bruce, pe- people would bring up born in the USA, you know, thing is I've seen Bruce eight times. He's only played that song once and it was acoustic, but it's, it's what's kind of known as his biggest hit, but that that's just so far down the road of other music that he does. And so people would kind of mention that, but aside from that, no one really had any interest. i just thought it was like I said, music that their dad listened to.
2: Yeah, I remember hearing Springsteen on X ninety six. No, no,
1: definitely not.
2: Yeah, they've. I've, uh, before you gave us some recommendations to, list to listen to in preparation for this, as we talk about comparisons with the Killers, uh-huh. I'd heard Born to Run, Born in the USA. Not much else from Bruce, even though you know he wouldn't be hard. He's not hard to find. It's just I don't know. It just hasn't been hasn't been part of my life. So how did how did I transition from that those first few albums to to go, to go into concerts and. Eventually, meeting him.
1: Yeah, well, once once you go, you're hooked. Once you go to the concert, you're hooked. You're immediately trying to think of the next one you can go to, how you can get, uh, uh, you know, tickets for the next one. What city close to you is playing? And you just, you just, it's this kind of uh, addiction that's formed. Like I said, there's people who've seen him hundreds of times, um, but you know, there's been. There's been a lot of like books written about Bruce Springsteen and documentaries, and, and he it, it ends up being an influence for a lot of other bands. So that just kind of, I just kind of stayed in that world for a really long time. He comes from a particular sound in New Jersey and from the New Jersey shore. So I find myself kind of listening to some of those things. Um, then a lot of the influences that Bruce had, um, I start kind of listening to those and, and maybe reading some of the books that he talks about. And uh, just kind of creates a, a whole monster. So um, I met him. It, you know, it was very special to me, and you know, possibly one of the top like five moments of my life. But it was kind of a cattle call situation. He wrote his memoir uh, in 2017 and uh, went on a book tour. And so part of the book tour was you could, you know, meet Bruce. And so I you know got tickets. They only had a certain amount, and I was lucky to get them and uh, just waited in line pretty much an entire day and met Bruce for a total of like, I wanna say 40 seconds. (laughs) But but he looked at me, put his arm on my shoulder, we had an exchange. Uh, He smiled, took a picture, and uh, I just, it's the closest to um, drugs I've ever done. (laughs) how outside of my
0: body i felt I,
1: I just couldn't believe it um
0: so did you say so i've i've met some people that i like or whatever or i'm fans of and i tried not because you want to not freeze up you don't want to be like the the whole chris farley uh you know you're awesome remember that time you had a whole day to think about it and i know you thought about any possibility that you could have said did you say something to him and how was it reciprocated and how did that go
1: So I have had moments in my life where I have met people I admired, and I said the wrong thing. And uh, I uh, have had some moments where that kind of backfired on me, and it really kind of clouded the experience. And so I did not want to have anything, you know, I'm standing in line with a bunch of other you know, weirdos who want to say the same kind of (laughs) thing about how you've changed my life. The guy I stood next to, he wrote a six page letter front and back and he was going to slip it to Bruce because he's like, I can't say it in the, you know, 30 seconds we get. So he wrote this big long letter and I'm like, okay, I mean, I I don't know what I can do. So for me, I I just said, thank you. And, uh, you know, it means so much to me, shook his hand. Um, But my wife came as well cause you could have two people with the ticket that I got and she came and she told him how much he meant to me. And I think that kind of Bruce just kind of got a real smile and, and put his hand on my shoulder and everything. And it was, it was really pretty great.
0: That's that's a good experience. And also, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's gotta be great for him, but like you're saying, it's the same day in, day out. It's just uh it's nice that you could take a little time. I mean, you got just people shuffling in and out and give you a good experience, not just pat you on the backside and say have a good one kid or, or something like yeah. that yeah yeah that's, that's good so when we're in nephi and here's my one question uh, we'll get into killers too i know people are listening right now saying what <laughs> what is this a spinoff podcast they're gonna do about bruce springsteen so with the pressure machine uh, our first question or one of my major questions are is are people going to come to nephi to see nephi and see this experience of this town that's being described in this album um, you were talking a little earlier and we kind of went back and forth a little bit. You've actually traveled to New Jersey that Bruce has sung about. Wherever where you went, why did you pick the places you went and, and what have you seen kind of that influenced you that you decided to go and, and explore?
1: Yeah, I uh, I did. I went to go visit Bruce's hometown, uh, Freehold, New Jersey. Went there, saw the house that, uh, there was two, two different houses that he grew up in, was able to, sit on the porch steps of that uh in his recent um broadway show that you can see on netflix he talks about this giant tree uh i've been able to see all these different these kind of trees that line the street of his neighborhood uh the church that was across from one of the houses um i did this went to i went to freehold and then i went up to asbury park up on the jersey shore to see a lot of the sites that he and 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 um, settings that he talks about there and then um the name escapes me, but there's a town right off by Asbury Park. I want to say maybe Belmar, but it escapes me at the moment. Um, but so, you know, Bruce's band's called the E Street Band. There's a how, there's a street, uh, 10th Avenue, which is also named after one of his songs, 10th Avenue, Freeze Out, and E Street. So he'd been to that corner, kind of took a picture on the corner of 10th Avenue and E Street, um, was able to go to the Stone Pony, kind of a neat story there. Uh is the Stone Pony is this Jersey Shore bar that is pretty famous in Bruce Lore. And he would often just show up to this bar and play. Uh and and whatever bar band was playing, he would just join them and play. And there's all these kind of cool stories about being at this 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 dive bar, and and all of a sudden Bruce shows up. And I had always heard about this, and I finally made it there. And when I got there, they were closed. So I just stood out in front of the stone pony, taking pictures. And then I had my wife take a picture of me standing in front of it. And a car drove by and stopped and pulled over and said, what are you doing? And I said, Oh, I, you know, I came uh, from Seattle. I I really always wanted to see this place. And they said, hold on. And she pulled over, got out, got her keys out, opened it up. And she's like, I'm the manager here. (laughs) And she (laughs) let me in, told me all these cool stories of Bruce and the band and all these people coming by let me hang out there take pictures got she uh gave me a t-shirt from the place and uh so that that actually that t-shirt that I have uh stone pony t-shirt that's what I wear to every Springsteen concert and um I always try and get as close as I can to the stage and uh in my own little heart I'm hoping that he recognizes me because I wear the same shirt every time (laughs) he'll look down he'll pull you up on the stage and pat you on the shoulder again so yeah you know, but funny, i definitely i actually like genuinely believe it sometimes i'm like it's gonna happen like he's gonna be like oh that's the kid
0: that i see all the time but <laughs> uh <laughs> it's not bad to have a uniform um we have let go. me uh grab this for you i secured this little thing the other day and uh we're gonna figure out a way to give it away but i don't know if you can see oh that's it. cool yeah oh cool so it's from uh, it's from the rubber plant yeah that's really cool and I was thinking the same thing. If somebody's a huge Killers fan, it's, it, you know, you go to the concert. If you're up close, and Brandon sees you wearing, an oh yeah, a hat with a logo. I mean, it's gotta stand out, right? Exactly. So, so have, well, yeah. Oh, go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say, when you're driving through these this town, you see all of these places that he has sung about over the years. And um, it just gives you a closer connection to the music and more context to the music and more context to the story. And so, you know, you're driving by the church that he sings about, the school that he sings about, the barber shop, the grocery store, the veterans hall, the flagpole, the, the main street, um, the music shop where he bought his guitar, all these kinds of things that you um, – you hear about in the songs then when you're driving through there and you're seeing them it gives it more context and i can only imagine and and for me it was funny because you know i'm coming from salt lake which isn't exactly a small town but i spent enough time in other small towns in utah that going to the jersey shore or going to freehold it did feel kind of familiar in a way to some of these small to basically just small town usa you know and particularly small town usa where um maybe factories have shut down or maybe jobs have switched there used to be one kind of main producer and jobs have switched to other other towns or whatever maybe some that have maybe fallen on some hard times there's a big textile mill in freehold that when i was there was just empty and it was just this giant box building that was just you know empty and it had been empty for years, and having that kind of hover over your town when it once was this really active pe- point of pride for the town is now just this kind of
0: grave I don't know what you want to call it but tombstone. yeah a similarity in, in some of the killer songs that that we've heard is a lot of people <laughs> compared uh the the pressure machine to Nebraska and I'm not up on Nebraska or anything like that, but you find. A lot of similarities. I mean, I know that you've you've listened to both probably uh, multiple times.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I
0: can't say again. that Spotify
1: has told me that that I've listened to Pressure Machine the most of anything this year. So, so, uh, I, I don't let. Bruce I do see similarity. What'd you say? Don't let Bruce hear you say that. I know Bruce was unfortunately Bruce was number three. So I oh. got to figure that out. But I do share an account. I do share an account with my wife, <laughs> and my three kids. So Moana was I think number two. I can't remember. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, to me, Nebraska—the similarity is more of the fact that it's an album that's unlike any other Killer's album. That it's, uh, you know, not this huge kind of bombastic pop rock album. That it's a little more quiet. It's a little more thematic. It—the uh, songs all kind of connect. In that way, it's like Nebraska. But. To me, the songs that are on pressure machine are like songs that go all throughout Bruce's career and his and and um they kind of chart in my opinion, they chart music that has happened in, for Bruce for the last like thirty or forty years uh, Nebraska to me is not other than desperate things is that the third track other than desperate things thing. Or terrible thing, thank you yeah I'm getting them two two things back up terrible thing that one to me even actually sounds like it would be on a nebraska album the way it's recorded um, it sounds like it would be on nebraska but uh to me the only similarities i see with nebraska is the idea of it that it was this um thematic album
0: all right well uh, i guess we usually when we start our interviews with people we talk about uh when did you discover the killers what was your relationship with brandon you're not from Nephi, um, although you could be an honorary Nephi. What well, was stuff so because you've been on the show, uh, but what's your uh, before this album came out? Were you a big killers fan? What was your interest with them? Um, and, and going back, you know, how are you with the killers? Yeah, so uh, the
1: killers kind of came onto the scene in my life um, after I had gone two years without listening to any music. <laughs> so <laughs> I had I I had gone a uh, couple years. Uh, with really only listening to the classical radio station. Uh, and, can
0: get uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Classical yeah. 89 or whatever it was. Uh, they, I, I, um, came home and was just thirsty for new music and hot fuss had just come out. And, uh, I can't remember how it got it into my hands, but I listened to hot fuss and just fell in love with it. And, uh, like everybody, you know, just was completely taken aback from it. And, uh, have really good memories. When I listen to the album, still today, it brings me back to that time in like, I think it's 2004 when uh, I was. Just, it was like the, uh, like the world was like in color again, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and so um, I really got into that. Then when Samstown came out, if you go back and look at a lot of the interviews on the press tour for Samstown, Bruce Springsteen was mentioned all the time in the sam's town almost to the point that um i kind of found it a little bit annoying or i found it a little <laughs> bit of like okay slow down guys you know this is your so, second album. yeah 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 all you know slow down here and um i really like sam's town but that was kind of where i got off uh kind of maybe took a little bit of a break from the killers i i it just kind of i just didn't listen for much more but um when I have to say that when employing the mirage came out in 2020, that was, you know, a record low year for me, (laughs) for most of us, which is everything that was going on that year. And I really was touched by employing the mirage and just couldn't get enough of it. I I just listened to it over and over, almost compulsively. And I loved going into the lyrics and and I loved kind of like studying it and, uh, you know, listening to it and, and, um, so employing the Mirage just got me really back in. So then I went back through and started listening to some of the albums that I had um, that I hadn't heard before or that I hadn't really kind of given more than just one or two listens to. And it was it was pretty great because um, I was like I ended up getting like three new albums, you know, that I, that I wasn't that familiar with. So then I was like all amped up on it. And uh and then Pressure Machine gets announced, and I'm like, oh, this should be pretty cool. And I, I was kind of, you know, thinking it was a continuation of Imploding the Mirage. And then uh, I believe it was you that sent me the text that was like, this is going to be about Nephi. And I was like, you got it. I, I how is this? How do you follow up to me like one of the best albums of your career with something that's com- like seemingly the complete opposite? And then I just I just really was impressed and completely taken with um, Pressure Machine. It, it's it taps into something that is so um, both uh, depressing and inspiring at the same time. I, I, I have a hard time really uh, quantifying how, how that is, but by the time I'm done with, um, with the album, with the last song, by the time I'm done there, I, 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 like, I need like a break you know i'm like Ooh, that took a lot out of me but it's 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 both emotional and um it's just it's it's it, there's a lot in there
0: oh yeah there's there's definitely a lot And then when you start hearing the the urban lore and we're putting faces and things and yeah we're from there so we're we're identifying places and and, and memories with those places it's it's kind of the other day so every time i drive down to nephi uh at least lately we've been playing it and my wife is just like, okay, we're skipping some songs. We can't we can't be going down to visit family or friends or having positive, you know, outlook and, and be rolling up on a kid that's you know contemplating suicide or, or whatever. So uh, but but with that I've been able to hear, yeah, some some of the tracks I might not have been listening to as much at the end. And that's about where we're covering in the show. So it's been it's been a really cool experience for for me.
1: So I would say the end, the end part of the album is my favorite. The, the last quarter of the album. And I think it's by the time I get there, I'm just really raw, (laughs) you know, pressure machine going right into the getting by is that one, two punch that just, it just slays me every time I think about, I end up thinking about my parents. I think about my brothers and sisters. I think about people that I've known in my life. I think about myself. I think about my kids. I think about, you know, my beliefs and my questions and, and everything. It just really, um. It's pretty hard. And I don't know if the context has added to a lot of that. Like if this, if the killers were from Missouri, or that's actually a bad example. <laughs> killer, <laughs> let me go back. If the killers so were, from, if the killers were from Arkansas, and they were singing this about a small town in Arkansas, and about, you know, their experience living there and, and what that raised them, I might find it pretty interesting. But I don't know that I would feel it as deep in my bones as
0: I do with pressure machine control. that's kind of thing worldwide i'm seeing the people connect and it's obviously for different reasons but um like you're saying with with the getting by i think that reminds everyone of their their father and and growing up and seeing a guy go to work that probably is going to a job he doesn't necessarily like to provide for you and there's some point in your life where you realize that
2: maybe tell us about the album where bruce flew out to utah and drove through nevada and maybe you can talk about your the relationship there with how the story with your father plays into that. Yeah. Okay
1: all right we're
2: recording from utah pressure machines about nephi utah we want to share that connection with with bruce and and that album he wrote
1: yeah bruce has a, a connection to utah that's one of the things that really cemented the the slam dunk for my interest in him was uh the beginning of um of the promised land starts out on a rattlesnake speedway in the utah desert and uh Story goes that in 1977, Bruce and uh, his um, photographer, Eric Maloa, and uh, Stephen Van Sant, they flew out to Salt Lake City. This is in August of 1977, and they bought a used uh, T-Bird, and um, you can see it on the cover of the album, The Promise, and they took a four- to five-day road trip through Utah and Nevada deserts, did um, this over, over to Reno, and then back to Salt Lake City, where The story goes they resold the car and as Bruce says it a little more used and a little more slept in um and so they were there in Utah at that time uh trying to get inspiration for Bruce's next album and uh if you think about somebody coming from the east coast to then just be out wandering around Utah and Nevada it's like you might as well be on another planet you know you 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 go just you can see forever and you know incredibly small towns and big sky and mountains and nothing you know all this stuff and and this was kind of as bruce was getting ready to write uh one of my favorite albums one of most bruce fans favorite albums darkness on the edge of town and so bruce is writing uh driving around getting inspiration for this there's some great photographs uh, maybe you can maybe you can throw a couple up on uh your social bruce on these roads in utah and nevada um uh, i have a couple of them framed at my house here but uh so when bruce was uh when he flew into salt lake city he needed to buy this car and uh he needed to get a check cashed and um he went to uh, First Security Bank in Salt Lake City, and my dad was the manager of First Security Bank in Salt Lake City. And my dad got a call from uh, his, his manager that said that someone is going to be coming in, a rock star by the name of Bruce Springsteen is going to be coming in to cash a check. He does not have any identification on him, but I'm, vetting, I'm vouching for him. <laughs> you need to just cash the check. And my dad, bless his heart, had no idea who Bruce Springsteen is. Still barely knows who Bruce Springsteen is. <laughs> it's like the biggest, like one of the most important things in my life. And my dad still barely kind of knows. Also, to hear my dad tell the story, he says that this, this guy came in with unkempt hair and wasn't wearing shoes. That may be my dad editorializing. But he says that he came in with no shoes. So we'll just go with that. And uh, my dad like had to cash him a check and uh so my dad had this kind of uh brush in with Bruce Springsteen and um it was kind of funny my dad had had told that story to me when I was kind of into him or when I had started to get into him and then since then I've really tried to like serial podcast like try to find the exact day that that would have happened and you know how much it would have been and and I've I've you know it was in August of 1977 (laughs) but uh yeah that's my connection you know the thing is so one of the other uh kind of through lines through bruce's music is his complicated relationships with his father and uh that resonates sometimes you know um my dad and i have really different perspectives on on life and on uh in, we have very different interests and uh bruce and his dad often clashed and often uh didn't see eye to eye there's a story about Bruce uh, getting in a motorcycle accident when he was a kid. He had this really long hair. And his dad would always try to tell him to cut it off. And uh, gets in a motorcycle accident. Bruce is in the hospital bed, wakes up, and his hair's cut. His dad had someone come in and cut his hair. You know, so they really kind of clashed a lot. And uh, it wasn't until later in his life that Bruce kind of started seeing, seeing his dad as an adult and kind of seeing some of the challenges that he was up against. That he kind of uh, reconciled some of those feelings and and uh, you know kind of went back to that. But anyway, I don't know. I told you guys all that. But anyway, that's kind of interesting.
2: Will you tell us a little bit off the air? We've talked about uh, some of the Bruce's relationship with where he where he's from and how that changed over time, and some of the connections with what Brandon's gone through and what we've seen on Pressure Machine.
1: Yeah. So if you think about it, Bruce, his most popular song is born to run. And it is a song about getting the heck out of New Jersey. Get me out of here. Um, Jersey a death trap. It's a suicide rap. We got to get out while we're young. It's get me out of there. And, um, a lot of Bruce's music is about this suffocating small town, this suffocating hometown where he's from and how he, he can't fully blossom unless he just burns it all to the ground and gets out of there. And, um, then, over time, Bruce's attitudes towards his hometown kind of change. And then, somewhere in the early 80s, he starts singing pretty fondly about his hometown. And pretty, uh, you know, the song on, um, on Born in the USA album, My Hometown, is a very beautiful uh, kind of, it, it's similar to Pressure Machine, the song, uh, "Ode to the small town and kind of also to uh, Quiet Town. And so uh, now you got Bruce Springsteen, who made his name getting out of New Jersey and out of that small town. And now he lives 20 minutes from his hometown. And that's something that Bruce brings up in his Broadway show, where he's like, you know, me, Mr. Born to Run, Mr. Thunder Road. Now here I live 20 minutes from where I grew up. And uh, not only that, he's kind of become an ambassador for New Jersey and has been somebody who has really done a lot to uh, raise money for charities and raise money for food banks and uh, and, and awareness to is- to workers issues and things that were happening in New Jersey that uh, it's kind of interesting to see that that cycle play out and then you think about Brandon and of course I don't have all the, all the authority on on the killers but you know here's someone who kind of really felt stifled or felt like he needed to get out of this small town that he was in to the big lights of, of, of Vegas and uh, makes it to Vegas and then eventually makes it big and, and can be wherever he wants or probably live wherever he wants and eventually ends up living in back in Utah. And I just find that kind of an interesting cycle as well.
0: Yeah. There's definitely a lot of similarities. Uh, you've made a Spotify um, song playlist that you shared with me and Jimmy. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna put that up on our Facebook and share that on our social. A lot of the songs almost were parallels uh with, with songs that the killers have done. Uh there seems to be some sort of a relationship that Brandon has with Bruce, whether or not that's you know something that he's consciously doing or or not doing, almost like he's a fan and now he can, you know, produce these songs or or write this style or whatever it is. Um, you know, going back to even before Dustland Fairy Tale, you were talking about Samstown. Um, all those similarities uh, when did you see this kind of getting to be a, a friendship and and what are the thoughts with the people on the springsteen side of things we kind of see the killer side of things with wow. with how that goes but what's the what's the other page like well we love it we uh bruce is in a he,
1: he he has a saying right now that he says the light from the oncoming train focuses the mind so I think it's kind of that thing that he only has so much time left on this earth. He wants to really, you know, make it count, and he's just had this explosion of collaborations and of, uh, you know, working with all these different people. He did a, a song with Bleachers. He did this Dustland Fairy Tale. What I find so cool about do- him doing Dustland is he reached out to Brandon about it, which is kind of a funny story. I don't know if you saw that on on the Killer's Twitter account he reached down to Brandon about it and it's like, Hey, let's do a version of this song. That's a few years old. You know, that doesn't typically happen. It wasn't like, let's do a new song. It was more of like, I'm a fan of this song. And I'd love to do a version with you. And, um, that had to be just feeling so validating if you were, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for me at least, but to have this, uh, you know, kind of like one, one of the songs from your past to like, let's do a version of this. Um, as far as I know, and speaking for myself and for the, uh, nerds on, uh, the Bruce Springsteen message boards that I
0: am on, uh, we all love it. You know, you have a screen name. I do. You want to share it with us? I don't. No, I do. Uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> B Dub. Okay, that's not. Yeah. It's been worse. I didn't know. Maybe Bruce's nuts came back. I, don't
2: know. <laughs> yeah, so I really enjoyed that. Uh, that's that um, playlist you shared with us. I, like I said before, I wasn't really uh, familiar with much of Bruce's work. And the first song I listened to, the first song you had on there, was "Promised Land." I listened to that. I thought this reminds me of the chorus of "The Way It Was" by the Killers. Mm-hmm. Started looking at some of the lyrics. I was texting you guys about some of the comparisons I found, and it was crazy to me. And um, you know, a lot of the similarities. And you know, we we talked a little bit back and forth about you know how how would Bruce take that to to see such close parallels, and You know, we decided, well, he he wanted to collaborate with him. So he must compliment, not not, uh, copyright infringement. So,
1: yeah, I think, I think he's probably flat. I'd imagine he's flattered. And uh, clearly there's a respect, respect and and a a good working relationship there. But, you know, um, did you see the song exploder on Netflix? uh, The killer song exploder? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize about how from um, when we were young, and uh born to run that they took that bridge straight from born to run and like it didn't even occur to me in the moment then when I hear it I'm like oh yeah that is exactly (laughs) from there like that makes total sense um so I guess all great artists kind of uh are inspired and and build off build off of that you know that playlist that I made that I made for you it, it it was kind of a bunch of different songs of Bruce's that really reminded me of pressure machine and uh, not necessarily in how they sounded, but how, uh, how, how they are, you know, like what, what the lyrics are and what the mood is. Um, and one of the ones that is a little bit of an outlier is I'm sure you guys have heard the song glory days, Bruce Springsteen glory days. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's another one. That's a little uh, touchy subject with Bruce fans because people just think it's this Anthem. You know, like when I go to Mariner games, we my son, my son and I go to Mariner games right when they open the door to the stadium because uh, then we can get in and go watch batting practice and everything. And right when they, uh, right when it, the time goes to open up Mariner T-Mobile sta- uh, Park, they play uh, Glory Days because it starts, you know, I had a friend who was a great baseball player, you know, but the song isn't about like romanticizing baseball. It's a depressing <laughs> song. It's a song about how like some, some of us are still living in the past and how some of us are still kind of riding on our fumes from high school or from college and not really embracing the moment that we're in or we're really disaffected or disappointed in our life right now. And I think Glory Days is a good example similar to, to the Pressure Town album of uh, these songs that can kind of be upbeat but also kind of sad at the same time they can be these anthems that you can kind of rock out and listen to. But then when you're listening to the lyrics and you're thinking of the sentiment involved, you're like, Oh yeah, this is kind of heavy, you know, or this is kind of regretful.
2: Yeah. As I listened to blurry days, some of the notes I wrote was, uh, I wrote, it sounds like a mix between desperate things and in the car outside.
1: Yeah. Uh, in the Yeah. I was a girl car. that
2: lives up the block back in school. She could turn all the boys' heads. Some days on a Friday night, a Friday I'll stop by and have a few drinks after she puts her kids to bed. Her and her husband, Bobby, split up i guess it's two years gone. you know it sounds a lot like high school said, flickering high school flame she's got
1: it totally does And says like uh when she feels like crying she starts laughing thinking about glory day so it's like what starts crying is like me it's that whole idea of like we're not where we are wanted to be in our life we're not where we thought it would go life took a kind of different direction and, and she uh, cries
2: like the train it's a
1: lot yeah. <laughs> see it's very similar jimmy did you notice any other ones i would love to to see if you know if you notice any other ones
2: Oh, yeah, Thunder Road, uh, or wait, uh, there were some on Promised Land, and the way it was, um, I'll read a line from Promised Land, and then a line from the way it was. So, on a rattlesnake speedway in the Utah desert, I drove through the desert last night, driving across the Waynesboro County line, somewhere outside the lonely Esmeralda County line, and then he talks, uh, Bruce talks about blow away the dreams that tear you apart, blow away the dreams that break your heart. Brandon says somewhere uh, all of our plans have fallen through. Sometimes a dream don't come true. You know, there's things like this that are you know the idea that dreams dreams break and don't come true. You know, those are universal themes. But to see them kind of line up in the same uh, in similar orders in these two songs just yeah stood out to me. And then he says driving all night chasing some mirage. Obviously, exploding the mirage. (laughs) Uh huh. Had that thought too. Uh, Dogs on Main Street howl because they understand, you know, Main Street is, there's a Main Street on every town in the world, but, you know, I I think of Main Street, I think of Nephi, so. Mm -hmm. And then I got some real getting by vibes from where he says, I've done my best to live the right way. I get up every morning and go to work. morning and go to work each day. Yep, you're right. And then, Derek, go ahead. When he goes into Promised Land, he says, "Mister, ain't no boy. I'm a man. I believe in a Promised Land." Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, where he says, "My boy, my people were told they'd prosper in this land." Uh huh. Um, you know, a lot of those same, you know, a town where you feel like you got something coming. You don't know where it's going to come, where it's going to, where it's going to come from. But uh, you hold on to that dream, and sometimes it doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, Derek, did you listen to the song Factory? yes i did Any, Andy, and did that did that make you think anything about the uh rubber plant
0: um yeah i mean obviously i, I think they're both like working class i know bruce has, has had on um, being a blue collar working class hero mm-hmm. um but yeah they, you know, he's never had a job he's never had a job yeah yeah well of <laughs> like being a rock you star, know, if you can if you can sing about it you can make money not not doing it why not but there you go yeah Almost like an artist can paint a picture of a place that, that maybe they've drove by once or they've imagined. Yeah, good point. Good and point. that kind of thing. I think Brandon's kind of the same same vein, or at least his memory of Nephi. You know, is these people that would go uh, work at this depressing plant where they're stuck the rest of their lives, just trying to make a paycheck to get home. Um, that kind of feel, anyways, whether or not that's reality or not. Uh, yeah, I, I saw some similarities there. Um, I think all. Like you were saying when you went back to New Jersey and saw some of these factories and textile mills that were the lifeblood of that place. And if they were to shut down, uh, the economy goes with it. Mm-hmm. And I think the same with, with Nephi, although the, the rubber plant still up and going, it's definitely not the heyday of uh, industrial uh, rubber hoses across the nation to break yeah. everybody. Um, but, but if it was to, to go, it would be a major blow to the town and, Uh, Yeah, so definitely uh some similarities in that there's a
1: line in factory that uh really hits hard that says um factory takes his hearing factory gives him life and you think about this thing that can be like can be so damaging to you can also provide for a life can provide for your family can provide you know uh for your kids and everything i just find that uh kind of interesting
0: it's like yeah, that's like was, a dichotomy and it's the same as i've worked my he worked his whole life uh laying rubber on the factory line you know mm-hmm. what been in another life like there there's definitely the give and the take and yes you have a job and you're grateful for it and it provides those meals, but also you're almost a slave to it and trapped to these the factory that's taking your hearing once you're mm-hmm. you no know, longer useful to spit you out and next guy's in yeah kind of idea
1: yeah there's also one, one other thing on, um, on the playlist. I, I put a song called Long Walk Home. And that was uh, a later song written by Bruce um, in the later part of his career. And uh, it's a really loving portrait of his hometown. And he has one line in there that um, kind of reminded me a little bit of Quiet Town where he said, um, I'm just gonna do this off the dome. So hopefully I get it right. <laughs> it says, Son, you're lucky in this town. It's a beautiful place to be born. It just wraps its arms around you nobody crowds you nobody goes it alone which I found that so uh comforting and that's that is kind of um you know I'm not from a small town I'm from like I said I'm from Salt Lake but I am from like a small neighborhood because I knew every single person in my neighborhood and uh the idea of um it wraps its arms around you it doesn't crowd you but you don't do it you don't go at it alone you're not alone and um that reminded me a lot of of some of the lyrics in Quiet Town.
2: Yeah, we talked on an earlier episode about whether we grew up in a bubble, and mm-hmm. some people might see it as a bubble, and you're being shielded from, or site influences aren't making their way in that you that you think you want. But yeah, it's probably more like uh, loving arms that are wrapped around you, trying to trying to protect you to to help you. Yeah, break your way out on your own without <clears throat> being overly mm-hmm. by negative things from the outside. Well, I'm curious. Uh, I know you're on
1: the Reddit and you're, you know, asking if people are kind of giving feedback and, and comments and everything. I'm curious if anyone from outside of the state of Utah or from outside of the United States or whatever has um, pointed out the uh, the Utah accent that is very prominent on the interstitials in pressure machine.
0: So the uh, episode with Kyle... Um his uh his boyfriend was here and he was saying how uh he when they listened to the album or whatever he said that sounds just like your mom or just like your family i don't know the yeah. air or not uh, with those interstitials and then we've had people kind of comment on the oh my heck or butt crack of dawn the phrase uh, sure but not yeah. so much the accent and i don't know if they realize that those are real people and that's how they sound or or what but uh,
1: yeah the, the phrasing is one thing that that you know the oh my heck and and that, that's one thing. But there is a very distinct accent. And um, my wife points it out all the time. And when, when we were listening to the album, she's like, that sounds just like your family. You know, that sounds like your sister. And, and I'm curious because you guys are living in it. Maybe you don't notice it. And oh, wow. uh, but it's definitely there. In fact, I, you know, I haven't lived in Utah in almost 20 years, but I, um, I slipped back into it pretty quickly. We were watching a movie with the kids. And it was like an old Charlie Chaplin movie, and and he had to go into uh, jail, and he was put in a cell in a cell, and my kid said, "What? What is that?" And I said, "It's a jail cell." And my <laughs> wife said, "What?" I said, "A jail cell." <laughs> you know, th- things like that. Uh, like at the end on the getting by, the one the one that I think is the most prominent Utah accent is the getting by. The the woman uh, before that who. You know, it says like a uh, small town fill-in. Um, yeah, that 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 one is to me the strongest. And I'm just curious if people have noticed it. I, I think I told you, Derek, about a movie that was filmed not too far from Nephi. Uh, what was the town?
0: I think it was was it Fillmore. I felt like it started with a K. Um, it wasn't Kanab. You did tell me. I thought for some reason, looking at the Fillmore there's a, area.
1: So there's a movie Kanash. Kanash. And that's a small town, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so this movie it's called The Killing of Two Lovers and it's filmed in Kanash. And uh it is very bleak. It is pressure machine the movie. You know, uh this guy is going through a separation with his wife and he's he lives basically across the street from her, you know, so he can still see her coming and going and her life moving on. They got to share kids. It is a very bleak um, movie. But uh They totally have like Texas accents, and I'm like, that kills it. You don't, you know, know,
0: that doesn't sound like it. You know, it's. Do they say that it's based in Utah? Is it supposed to be from Utah? I think so. Okay.
1: Well, they're not trying to hide it from anything. I I don't. It may not even say, but uh, but when you watch it, it's very clearly the middle of the state.
0: Yeah, so this weekend, I I hung out with a bunch of high school friends, and we went down uh, to Vegas and had our our fun time or whatever, but I I realized once I'm together with people uh, kind of from that area or maybe family parties or whatever, it doesn't take long for me to slip back into kind of that. I, I still probably sound like more Utah than a lot of people, you know, what, I mean, it just, I don't know, I probably do. But when I get around a group of people from there, it's really easy to slip back into the I don't I the accent I don't know what how to explain it, but I sound like I'm from Nephi, which isn't yeah, no bad thing, but it's, no, it's not. It's but it is
1: very uh uni- or very kind of um centralized to certain parts of, of like you'd hear some people from St. George and they would sound different than people from Salt Lake and then from people from
0: Nephi. Just a little so, bit of a, So Salt Lake, that's where your family is from and they have sent mm-hmm. as well, according to your wife, then. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Okay. And everything's a
1: dill. Every, that's what my wife always says she goes everything's a deal. can we get a deal?
0: <laughs> do we get a deal with all that? those kids you need to get a good deal on things i get a good deal <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: yeah soon you have a you get a truckload of pickles from amazon prime
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> i don't know if you listen we bring up x96 a lot the morning show still does utah word of the day they've switched around a, a, a lot but they'll they'll slip in like you're saying a, a cell where it's you know they can go from cell phone to jail cell and you know, <laughs> yeah yeah
2: yep there's pillow instead of pillow and milk instead of milk and those oh yeah the uh, mountains mountains without a d Uh uh-huh yeah those are all uh you know like derek says when you get around your friends from high school or when i get nervous you know those are the (laughs) kinds of fur is another one my wife points out okay she's not from utah
1: where i always say idea like uh sometimes i'll be like i have an idea yeah, it comes out. But I'm just curious what people, you know, people in England or people from somewhere else are listening to it. It doesn't sound like a Texas accent. It doesn't sound like, uh, you know, the South. It, it, you know, it's not like a East Coast accent. It's very s- specific.
0: Yeah, we haven't got much feedback, if any, on it, but I'm sure it's been noticed.
1: Well, I can even tell Brandon when I listen to it, like, when, like, long form interviews with Brandon, it it totally comes out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. I think that's kind of the thing that people almost um when he talks in uh well it's long, long way down. What's that uh your favorite song? I can't think of it right this
2: now. River is what. as
0: well. When we do a podcast, we can't think of everything. If we're having a conversation, it just flows. But he says, I get nervous when I talk, I shake a little. I think mm-hmm. when I get nervous when I talk, you the you go back to those tendencies and maybe the shake a little is like I say, let's go down for a glass of milk or whatever. Like yeah. That's how I kind of envisioned. The song's about Nephi anyways is my record of saying, and I just think, you know, I think all three of us can say when you when you get nervous or when you go back to your old tendencies, and like you're saying in those long-form interviews, it does come out to the kid in Nephi, not necessarily the superstar from Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah.
2: One that stands out to me is when I, uh, when uh, Sam Sound came out, and he sings in were young he says the devil's water it ain't so sweet you don't have to drink right now but you can dip your feet every once and a little while he says and i thought that's not right does he, he, does he say that once and a while oh yeah anyway that's one of the, <laughs> that's a little nephi coming out
0: well my thing so when i went up to seattle i met wadi uh, i was going door to door and we'd have our little routines down. And the one thing that I would say to people is we was, it, we was in your neighborhood or we was, uh, you know, we was, was that. And the guy I was with at the time that was like training me and teaching me what we were doing looks at me and he says, what are, what are you saying? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just telling him that we were in, you know, we're here and what we're doing. And he goes, we was, I said, yeah, we, you know, I, I had no clue that that was not proper grammar. <laughs> i probably still slip back into it at times or whatever, but it, it, it baffled my mind, and then once I realized it, you know, it makes sense or whatever, but that was, oh uh, yeah, we was just coming by, to see how you're doing or whatever, and, <laughs> you know, it's a total small town, total Utah, uh, I probably could make pressure machine had I been interviewed, but, uh, you know, we was. We was.
2: Yeah, when I look up the lyrics, it says, every once in a little while, but to me... I don't know. Maybe that's what they think it's supposed to say, but to me, he says every once in a little while. We'll oh,
1: that's that's a big controversy in the Bruce world. The 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 first line of uh, Thunder Road is the screen door slams. Mary's dress, and then people don't know if he says sways or waves. And there's very uh, firm camps one way or another. <laughs> and then some people will have screenshots of the first album, the the lyric book that says you Know waves, but Bruce says it sways, but he must have changed it because here printed it's waves.
0: <laughs> what, what's canon and what's not, right? Yeah, exactly. It's funny what people get hung up on, and, and, and you know, we're in Reddit or these other forums and stuff, and some of the things that people just like wrench down on almost it's like a whole sub genre of themselves of, of certain yeah. stuff, but like, well, sometimes, like, so oh, go ahead, people, yeah, oh, go ahead. Sometimes I want
1: to know if something is a specific reference or if something's a general reference and um in the getting by there's that line where it says uh green ribbon front doors dishwater days i know what dishwater days kind of means to me i don't know what green ribbon front doors means and i don't know if that's a small town thing or if that's a you know tie a yellow ribbon around the tree when a soldier comes you know home or something like that or you don't know that green ribbon front doors that mean anything
2: no, we've been asked about that, and I I don't know what that means. I've tried to look into it. You know, there's a lot of different you know causes that tried to take colors and make it their, you know, represent their cause and yeah anything that that seems to relate.
1: Well, also, well, he also talks about the banners of sorrow that hang the front doors of childhood homes, and, and so I think okay, well maybe it's it's, it's similar like that.
0: That's what I was just gonna bring up is that that same phrase that was just I, I know of I've never seen it, but you know, maybe he's referencing something that he's he's seen or, be, or been around or who knows what, but I've never seen surround around doors in Nephi. At least unless it's Christmas time. There's probably some right now. With I
1: love I love when a song lyric can mean two things um, or, or more. So like, uh, it, it's such a simple lyric, but it says, uh, I'm pressure machine. Um, keep the debt cloud off the kids. Only smiles on their lip, lids. Uh, Jiminy Cricket and Power Wheels and Memories of Happy Meals. And to me, that means a couple different things. You know, it can literally, it's its kind of um, romanticizing childhood a little bit, talking about, uh, you know, some of the carefree times being a childhood and maybe getting a Happy Meal from McDonald's. But it also can mean happy meals at home with your family, happy times. You know, I, I kind of, I, I like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. did you have any other questions about Nephi Killers? Anything you want to address? I think you, you may have already talked
1: about it. You talked about the crosses, right? Oh, um, yeah, really. I found that really interesting. I, 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 is that are they, is that an like art installation or is it in front of a church or what is it?
0: It's in front of, there's a Baptist church that was getting built forever. They were kind of self funding as they went. And so that's that's just in front of this new Baptist church that's off the freeway now.
1: Okay. So was that there when you were growing up? No interesting oh,
0: new. yeah
1: interesting that it's the cover of the album
0: yeah i don't know if you just sent down a photographer and got a bunch of pictures and they picked what they liked or if that was you know instructed or well is there, barb, is there barbed wire around it
2: yeah so since it's right next to the freeway there's a there's a barbed wire fence that keeps you know that's meant to keep people and animals out of the off the freeway where the cars are going so fast and so i think he just took it through that through that fence and yeah you know it's it's an installation that you can see easily as you drive through now. Uh huh. Um, But you know, on the cover of the of the album, to see the crosses and the barbed wire uh with the title of the album, it's, it's very- oh yeah, like
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's super symbolic. It, it makes you think of that line: Uh, "This whole town is tied to the torso of God's own mysterious ways." Yeah, well,
0: this barbed wire town, right? I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, uh, what what are your guys' favorite songs on the album?
0: I'm not sure. I'm torn between... I really like West Hills, and we know like more backstory and stuff on that. Yeah. It's the first one I heard. Um, but The Getting By has been catching up to me and The Car Outside. Those are probably my top three.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What about you, Jimmy? So I like
2: uh, In Another Life and West Hills. My... Are, are the two best for me? And then... Mm-hmm. Quiet Town and Sleepwalker are
1: the next two. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think for me it's a pressure machine going into the getting by, almost like a like a two pe- like two parts of the same thing. <laughs> and uh I just love that part in um the getting by. I, I just wanted to look it up so I didn't didn't mess it up. But um well, I, I can't find it. But the part where he's like where there might be many mansions.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I just find that so, uh, I feel that, you know, (laughs) it's like where you hope, you hope that that's what it is. There might be, I don't know. You know, there might be many mansions. I'm doing all this stuff. I hope it means something. I'm, you know, I'm getting up to work early. I'm, uh, you know, kind of just wasting away. Nothing seems to be paying off right now but there might be many mansions. I just found that a really like a interesting um,
0: flourish to the writing, the lyrics. Well, yeah. And then look up and all I see is the sky. And I'm like, <clears throat> there's plenty of atheist people. Or a lot of the killers fans, or at least that we see seem to be kind of agnostic or atheist. Um, but uh-huh. listen to Brandon's lyrics and stuff, especially if you know the back story of, of the church or any religion, they're pretty symbolic. A lot of religion in that music, even members of the band, mm-hmm. are, but him. And so it kind of relates both ways to the, to the believer and the non-believer, you know, on that Effect, yeah. Or I guess sometimes that's both. I mean, we all go through our battles, and sometimes we're both, both sides of that coin, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly.
2: Usually at this point in the interview, we would ask if you went to the Rage Against the Machine concert in Spanish <laughs> Fork in 1990.
1: No, but I, I remember hearing stories. <laughs> I, every time you talk about that, I laugh because I remember hearing stories about how bad it was and how – and that all made it sound cool to me. But I remember hearing stories about, uh, about how out of control it got. And
2: uh, yeah. So for you, we want to hear about your interactions or close, almost, I don't know how to say it. I, I guess we'll let like you tell the story about uh, your, your close encounter with Foo Fighters.
1: All right. So uh, when I was on my mission, our office was in Bellevue. And uh, right next to our mission office, was the office for the Foo Fighters. And uh, it was their like promotions office. And so when I found that out, I was really trying to just find some way to uh, to kind of just still be at the office a lot so that in case we could be there at the same time. And uh, one night we were there at the office pretty late and they were there. The That office was occupied as well really late and lights were on and so we were like, oh, maybe we can sync something up, and it just didn't work out. And the next morning, I had seen one of the workers there, and they said, oh, you just missed the Foo Fighters. And I said, what? They were here? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah. And and I said, oh, I would have loved to see them. I go, well, here you go. And they gave us a whole box of Foo Fighters memorabilia: so stickers, hats, uh, uh, buttons, albums that we didn't listen to.
0: Uh, <laughs> so we had That's them. 2 your dark window.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that that was that. I also have another story. D- Derek, were you with us when we went to Kirk Cobain's house? No. Okay. We went to the house where uh, Kirk Cobain died. And uh, I went up through the back way and tried climbing the fence. And there's a great Bruce story about Bruce climbing the fence at Graceland to try and um, <laughs> help us. And so I was channeling that. And uh, I am in a suit and tie and white shirt, and I'm climbing a fence to try and just look over to get a shot of what of uh, Kurt Cobain's backyard. And uh, as I'm doing that, somebody stands up and is pretty much right in front of me, like home improvement style, standing <laughs> up right in front of my face. And it was the gardener. Was like, what are you doing? And I was like, ah, and I, and I fell back and was in my yeah, suit and tie and everything, and just like kind of ran away. But uh, <laughs> that was my other kind of.
0: Was that still owned by Courtney Love at the time? Do you
1: know? I have no clue. This would have been in 2002. I don't know who owned it at the time.
0: Well, we, you know,
1: i didn't I didn't go to the the Rage Against Machine concert, but all the big ass shows that Brandon Brian's been or Brandon's been talking about lately, I went to all of those.
0: <laughs> you kind of funny. You're probably in the pit. Yeah. And didn't even know it.
1: Yeah, at the Howard Jones concert.
0: <laughs> I remember that they had Howard Jones come.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, well, I. Appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in. Uh, if want to get at you, I don't think you're very social media-ish, but is there anything uh, if people want to know more about Bruce? Anything that you'd like to lead that way? Message boards, anything? Oh, yeah. Backstreets.com is the Bruce Springsteen message board. We'll, we'll put that playlist, uh, the playlist you created, we'll share it with our with our listeners, and hopefully they can go through it and kind of compare it to Pressure Machine. I yeah. it was really kind of you to put that together and educate us a little more and uh, maybe you got a couple more uh, spring nuts with you.
2: <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. That's another episode down from Lonely Town.